Oh, how good it is to watch your team win again. It's been a while, but Toronto FC pick up a crucial three points at home against NYCFC. Uh, welcome to tonight's Tunnel Club reaction show, TFC1, NYCFC nil. I'm your co-host, Mike Newell. Thanks again for tuning in and listening, whether you're listening to us live on Twitter spaces or eventually listening to us on podcast version. We really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, it was a, it was a damp cold night at BMO field. I think TFC fans are getting used to that. Um, but you know, after last week's capitulation in a lot of ways to Philadelphia, I think this team had a lot of questions going into last night's game. And I think that, you know, a lot of people needed to see a reaction from Toronto FC to make them feel like this team might be heading in some sort of direction. I don't, even, I don't know if we can even say positive, just a direction that is not completely down. Um, and I think we got a reaction last night, um, but I can talk all day. I want to bring in my co-host, Sean Levy, uh, and get his thoughts um, as we were both at BMO Field last night to witness uh, the fourth clean sheet this season, um, which is something to say because TFC only had three clean sheets in all of last season. Uh, so the sort of defensive improvement of this team continues. But Sean, want to bring you in um, and get your thoughts just overall on, on the match before we get into sort of the particulars. Well, from, <clears throat> from a fan's perspective, I think we should all be happy. Uh, I mean, again, it's the three points, which at the end of the day is the most crucial thing about every game is trying to obtain those three points. So to walk away with that, another clean sheet, as you said, the fourth of the season. Um, I don't know if many fans know it, we only had one shot on target or they had one shot on target. So that also shows the strength of the, you know, when we have our, our first choice center backs, they make a big difference on the pitch. And that's not knocking anyone else. It's just reality is Hedges, how he reads the game, how he controls the defense is much different than anyone else we have on the roster right now. Um, the aggression, the pressure they were applying yesterday is something we haven't seen all season long. Um, I think we can keep going on positive points. At the end of the day, we won. And there's really, like, we can pick a few little issues, but we got the crucial three points. We didn't uh, concede late. We held on, and we looked. It was, a, it was a much different team we saw last night than we saw a week before. Yeah, for sure. I think you saw a team that I think realized that they need to have a bit of a response from last week, as, as I mentioned before. I also think that, look... <laughs> Let, let's not uh, – we'll, we'll get into CJ Sapong. Um, he's not a savior by any stretch of the imagination. But it does help when you have a number nine that is healthy and that can do sort of the simple things you need a number nine to do. Like, look, in the end of the day, he's not a solution to everything. Um, I don't think anybody's going to go in there and say that CJ Sapong is going to be the savior of Toronto FC by any stretch of the imagination. But it, it's a marked difference when you have a number nine that can hold the ball up, that can put, you know, bring the midfield into play, can bring the wingers into play. 
um, it, it really be that focal point. And I think, you know, it's been talked about on this show. It's been talked about on uh, Toronto I Die, on other shows as well, that, it you know, a number nine in Bob Bradley's system is so important, right? Like, it, it's such a, a crucial piece to the way that this whole sort of formation and, and team wants to play. And if you don't have one that's either firing on all cylinders or you can't find uh, uh, a forward that can really do some of the, a bit of the graft, a bit of the dirty work, um, then you can see how this doesn't work, right? You can see how, you know, you're, you, the wingers get a little bit isolated or become, you become too dependent on the wingers to, to kind of do everything for you. And I thought last night, from an attacking perspective, I think you saw, um, you know, you saw some of the, okay, if you have a number nine that really can can do some things, you can see how, you know, this team could potentially play. For sure, because, I mean, one thing I noticed is when you have a, a genuine number nine that's a threat that can hold up, that can, you know, finish, that can be more involved in the in the attack, it teams can't double mark uh, Insigne or Bernadeschi. They have to now that you have another threat up front. You actually the defense have to be wise. If anything, midfielders are going to drop back. What we're going to probably see is more teams, you know, hunkering back to 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 not get get caught, right? But what it does do again, it opens the field to play up. It, it allows other players to play more freely. Uh, and it should, in theory, open up our attack. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think there's two things to sort of take out of last night. Um, one, I think just midfield-wise, I thought a lot more solidity there. Um, and look, I'm, again, it, it's not – this is not a, you know, trying to bash on the guys that weren't there, um, but more on the praise of the guys who were there um, and, and played quite well – you know, again, not perfect by any stretch, but much improved from last week. I think, you know, you're looking at players like Cervania and you're looking at Coelho and, you know, you're you're wondering, you know, how are you going to be able to get these guys more minutes, right? I mean, obviously, with the amount of games that are going to be coming up in a short amount of time, they're going to get playing time. But, you, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable to start asking, you know, how do we get, you know, Alonzo in the in the lineup more often? How do you make sure that Brandon Cervania finds time in this lineup? And, you know, look, in the end of the day, you've got two very high-priced midfielders who didn't play tonight, and, and Michael Bradley um, and Jonathan Osorio. And generally speaking, when they're healthy, they're going to be in the 11, right? Like, that's generally going to be the case. But look, I, I think these these two players are making very strong cases for themselves to, if not start every game, then at least be able to spell decent uh, decent sort of time in the lineup um, and are earning earning some some valuable minutes here um, and showing that there may be a little bit more depth in that midfield role than we initially thought when when the season started. I definitely will think we have you know. Coelho's been a uh, you know a great surprise. Cervino has been an amazing you know trade pickup, um, but I think what we also have to to kind of maybe slow down a bit is 
you know, we've seen a couple games now without Michael Bradley. We've seen, you know, last week where just the whole team played bad. So you can't really put the blame on, on say, you know, any one area. But I, you know, I, we had a win yesterday, but I don't think um, Mark Anthony Cape had a really great game. Um, even, again, even though we did win and, and there was a lot of positives, I, I, I think it, there might be r- room where, he might be the, you know, when we have a healthy Osorio, we have a healthy Bradley, he might be the one that we look at taking off and giving one of the younger guys more playing time. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they still look to strengthen and give us give, give ourselves something a little bit more of a creative player in the midfield. Because I don't know if they're ready to, to you know, hand the keys over to a Cervania or to a Coelho. No, maybe not yet, but I think there's, again, like I say, I think there's there's an opportunity where these guys are knocking on the door, and I think that's what you want, right? And when you're bringing in younger players, you know, you, you want them to be able to, you know, push starters um, for minutes and potentially even take minutes if if that's the case. I mean, just looking at the, sort of the stats here for both Aquila and Cervania, I mean, when you, when you look at possession – when you look at um, passing, you know, they're, they were the leaders last night, you know, in terms of, you know, percentages. And it's, it's interesting when you sort of break things down, looking at the three midfielders who started last night, you mentioned, you know, Sean An- or Mark Anthony K, excuse me, um, not having a great game. It, it, it's, it depends on sort of what you define as that. Like if you look at, sort of his passing, and I, I sort of took a look today throughout the season so far in the games he's played, and where he seems to, you know, he, he's really good at short passes, really good actually at long passes. What he's struggling at or where he's maybe falling short is in medium-range passing, you know, sort of that, you know, really in the end, that kind of final or, you know, final third or, you know, uh, midfield ball at wide or or in the middle of the striker where those are getting intercepted or picked off or not completed uh, fully. I mean, if you look at from short passing, long passing in the 90th percentile, no problem, you know, specifically last night. If you look at medium range passing, and this is sort of a, I don't know if trend's the right word, but you, you can kind of see a few things in there. Um, in games where he's not doing well, it's that medium range passing where he's struggling. He's only hitting maybe 70% of those passes, right? And and that is, you know, that's something that you obviously want to see cleaned up. Whereas if you look at, if you look at Coelho, you know, if you look at Cervania, you know, those medium passes, Coelho is at 96%, you know, and Cervania is at 86%. Now, Coelho got... By far, interesting enough, uh, the most touches out of anybody on the team. That's that that includes um, Insigne. That includes Bernadeschi. They played the game through him in a lot of ways last night, um, and, and that that's just an interesting thing to watch as as this season progresses. Like normally, that would be Michael Bradley, right? That would be his role. And very much Coelho took that role last night and played very well, right? Played extremely well. Yeah, I definitely noticed with him, like, he was the – the. it's like he was marshalling the midfield from the back and leading the attack um, from the end. And and I did notice that um, 
how how involved he was uh, within the midfield. And I like that about his game. I think I even noticed the first game he played, he's not afraid to say, give me the ball, let's let's move, let's do something. Let's, you know, whether it be, you know, receive the pass, quickly play it off, look to continue moving with the play. He's very, he's got a good mind of the game. He understands the game, he reads the game very well. And that, those kind of things are, you know, from from a fan perspective, that's great to see that you can, we have these young talents within the, you know, within our, uh, the club that you can bring along and not have to throw them out to the wolves and you can see them progress slowly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, CJ Sapong and his debut with Toronto FC. We talked about it very briefly at the beginning of the show. Just talking about his ability again to hold the ball up. I think, I think what uh, impressed me the most about his debut, and again, it's one game, so you know it's taken as one game, but um, it, is that how it, seamlessly he seemed to fit into the team? It didn't feel like there was a long period or need to bet him into the team, right? Like it, it felt like he got what he needed to do right away. Uh, and and that is that's encouraging, right? Because normally when you, you're bringing in a number nine, it takes some time for them to gain that rhythm. And look, it's not again not perfect uh, in, in terms of his you know sort of understanding with his teammates. But it felt like he knew where to be. He kind of did again, like I said, the basic stuff you need to do as a number nine: occupy the center backs, hold the ball up when you needed them to hold the ball up. You know, get in get in behind when he had opportunities to do so or roll defenders and, and, and try to, and try to bring, you know, teammates into play. And that is, that is impressive. That is, that is something that this club really needs. And look, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily write off Diamande yet. I, I think we still need to see, we really haven't seen enough of him to make any final conclusions, but you know, just based off sort of this game, if you can get, Diamande going and have CJ Sapong either as your starter or as the backup, you know, then I think you start to, you know, you start to see something there. You start to see, you know, where this team can start to play off and have a focal point from an attacking perspective. Um, well, what I'll say is I long-term, I, I still believe this is obviously our long-term, you know, um, signing. I think this is, we, we, the club realizes we need to fix something quickly uh, and we can't wait till the summer window. So they acted. And I think that was a wise move with regard to getting somebody that we know can score in this league has scored in this league. I mean, he's burned us more than enough time in the past that, you know, we finally got somebody that in my eyes, if you put him in the right environment, he will thrive. And I think that that is kind of why it looked so flawless like he's been with the club for a few weeks it didn't look like somebody who's new and they just wanted to give him a few minutes he fit in seamlessly in my opinion I thought last night it, it didn't look like somebody who again who was just new with the club and that's refreshing um, and I think that you know with him playing so well whether it puts pressure on the everyone else I think that should be a good kind of pressure now these guys realize this is like uh oh you know, it's not going to be like maybe this week it's my turn, next week it's this guy's turn. It's like I got to prove it if I get a, a minute. I may not get as many opportunities now that we have somebody that can't put the ball in the net. So I think this could this could help 
whether it be the younger guys, and maybe that's what it needs. Some of these younger guys needs a veteran to truly kind of put them on the right path and the right mindset to play their best. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, he comes in and obviously it's a bit of a lift to the team. So there, there's that. But I also think that he, unlike sort of the other strikers between a DeAndre, um, you know, an Io, a Perusa, you know, that he will, you know, he'll essentially do sort of that number nine role, right? He will go to the right spots. He knows where to be. I think, and, and I guess rightfully so, right? Like when the trade was announced, a lot of people sort of pointed to the fact he hadn't scored a goal since last May, almost a year um, with Nashville. I think there was a lot to do with that. Like I, I spoke to some people, you know, some fans in Nashville, you know, one reporter reached out to me in the midweek, you know, one of the things they said about him was that like, he just didn't get a lot of service in Nashville because the focus wasn't him, right. The focus is Heine Mukhtar and, and they sort of play a, a, a more, a lot more through him and, and almost treat him like the main forward. So, you know, those opportunities for Sapong kind of dried up um, as you obviously have a player that last year was going through an MVP season and scoring a lot of goals for you. So, you know, from that perspective, uh, you know, is the, the, sort of to keep that in mind. And then, you know, I think that if you, like you said, you put him in the right environment, you put him in a, a situation where, again, you're not asking him to do a lot. Like, I don't think anybody is expecting him to be a 15, 20-goal scorer right now. I don't think he needs to be that. I, You know, I think he needs to be able to cause enough problems for a back line that, he, that can create space for Bernadeschi and for Insigne to, to get the ball in good spots and create and get shots. And I felt, you know, especially maybe not so much for Bernadeschi last night, but for Insigne, I think he was able to find that he had a little bit more space to operate at times. Um, I know he had one had one shot saved, but I felt like he had some space to operate because, you know, a center back couldn't just, when he's cutting in, just step away from CJ Sapong and leave him alone, right? And just sort of try to cut off, you know, him trying to cut in on his right foot, right? It, it, they have to respect um, where CJ Sapong is, and that alone has a value, if, if that makes sense. No, one hundred percent. It it it. He just becomes a threat for the defense to always be on their toes, always be sharp, because you don't know. Like when they may think it's going to be, you know, Senior Bernardeschi going, you know, going so long goal. Maybe they decide to, you know, what they it's. They see where CJ is. They know where he wants to be or where they want him to go. And, you know, he draws the defense. They draw the defenders one way and he, CJ is open or vice versa. He draws a defender away from, you know, an open space and allowing Senior Bernadette to get an easy shot on that. I think it's, it's long term is just going to be beneficial for the club. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at the goal itself, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's a, down that right again. It's the Richie Larea driving at a at a defender and putting in a very good cross. And I think you know when I talk about you know number nine doing number nine's work, that's exactly what I mean. Just be at the right place at the right time and anticipate that ball come in. I feel like you know the the younger strikers, Io, DeAndre, 
you know, they kind of get flat-footed or caught flat-footed sometimes, um, sometimes ball-watching a little bit, and aren't putting themselves in those positions to, you know, to tap a ball in, right? Like, it was a tap-in, right? Like, it's not a, you know, it wasn't a, an outside-the-box curler. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, a, a goal like that. But it's a goal that you just want your number nine to be in the right spot at the right time. Uh, and, and that he can do. Uh, you know, again, whether he's going forward, going to be the regular starter, whether it's going to be, you know, a, a switch between him and Diamande, a rotation, we'll see. Um, you know, obviously Diamande came on for the last sort of minute um, on Saturday. So, you know, obviously nothing to, to draw there, but that in a way can only be a positive um, to see that he's also back now and fit um, and, and can play some minutes. And, and you know, again, like I said, if you can get that going, you know, and be competent, I'm not even, again, like not talking about 20, 15, 20 goal scorers, just competent um, and, and be able to be sort of a, a fulcrum for the attack to, to build. Then I, I think this team could be in a good spot. I, I don't know what, you know, I don't know if that means you're top of the East or if you're a playoff contender, um, I, that would be, I guess, the the bare minimum in a lot of fans' minds. I, you know, please tweet at us if you if you don't feel that's the case. Um, uh, if you're listening on your phone, bottom right hand corner, go ahead and tweet at us and, and give us your thoughts. Uh, or if you um, are listening on a desktop, uh, feel free to tweet at us at TFC Tunnel Club with your thoughts. Um, we'll read them on air. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know from this game. I won't call it a complete performance from TFC. You know, they, they did sit back in the second half and allow New York to come on to them a little bit and, and defend um, later in that second half. But as you said off the top, Sean, I think defensively a lot more solid and really didn't give NYC FC a ton to really look at in terms of shots on goal. No. And I mean, even at the fact that we had, you know, last minute um, replacement for Toronto with Kobe uh, Franklin started, he didn't look out of place. Um, I, I felt we had, a again, when you have like Matt Hedges, the signing of Matt Hedges, we really, really see what a solid MLS veteran center back, how key it is to have that in this league. Those type of players you can't like you they're, they're not a lot of them, but when you find one, you have to hold on to them because they're invaluable to your team. And it's a major, like the two games he was out, you saw the difference in the in the back line. And as soon as he comes back in, you see more, uh, you know, you, you, a better structure, more, they communicate better. There's, they, they just know where they need to be. It, it's just a different back line when he's not on the field. And I think, you know, that that's a positive sign that he's back. And then now that as a whole, I think we, as a fan base should be pleased with what we saw last night. Long way to go, a lot more games to play, but that, you know, whether it was the New York FC, NYC FC's top team or not, or top lineup, we took points away from a playoff or one of the top four teams in the East. Right. And that's a, that's a key. It kept us in quote, unquote, a playoff position, you know, with how we've been playing with all the games that are going to be coming fast and, and furious in the next few weeks. We said it last week, we need to see results. And the team clearly put, you know, put what they need, did what they need to do to get the result. You're right. Second half wasn't as great. They did 
you know, were had to absorb a lot of the pressure, but they held, right? Like I said, one shot on target. So even if they had shots, it wasn't anything that was a real threat or anything that was, you know, Sean Johnson had to work hard for. You know, surprisingly, he was man of the match for not really doing anything last night. Well, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people would say that Sean Johnson right now is sort of team MVP. Um, wouldn't necessarily disagree with anybody who would say that. Um, but I mean, and just looking at sort of the stats here, right? Like, like expected goals, TFC way up, obviously scoring the goal the way that they did is going to raise that a lot. Um, but really, even from a, like you said, like a shots perspective from sort of, you know, we lost the possession battle, but I mean, again, we seeded possession of the second half in a lot of cases, but from a, you know, attacking perspective, we 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 pretty much dominated most of the game um, from that from from that area, and I think that you, you know you talked about is this New York NYCFC's top team. Look, this is a team that right now is in form. You know that that team. Yes, they're playing with a false nine um, with Santi Rodriguez playing as a false nine, but you know that that team has been rolling and they had and had got some really good results against some really good teams in the last little bit. And to come away with not just the win, but I think a clean sheet. I think that's really important uh, for for the team to be picking up clean sheets right now. Um, that's key. And, and look, and, and I think the other important point that really stood out to me is the involvement of Lorenzo Insigne. Um, I thought it was, okay, he didn't end up with a goal or anything like that, but I thought he you know, when he did get on the ball and get, you know, get on it and, and run at players, he made things happen. And it, I think it's only a matter of time as he rounds into form, you know, that, that you're going to see him be what we all think we were going to get when he got here. Right. Like, which is arguably the best player in the league. Right. And you, you, you can see it. It's there. It's just right now. I think he needs to round into some form, get some games under his belt uh, this season and, and really get going because, you know, he, you know, he, he hit two shots, both on target. Um, actually, sorry, one was blocked, uh, but you know, the other on target could have been a goal, you know, really, really class to keep it down and keep it curling to the bottom corner. Goalkeeper made a good save, you know, I, in other ways he was also, you know, bring in, uh, you know, bringing his teammates, bringing Kobe Franklin, bringing in um, CJ Sapong. I thought they, they connected really well. Uh, you know, I thought he connected really well with uh, Quello as well, you know, if, in a mid, from a midfield perspective. So, you know, I, there's there's positives here. You know, there there are positives. Last week we saw a lot of negatives and rightfully so, right? It was a, It was a dire performance. But I think you saw what this team can be if they can kind of get things together and really, you know, really be on it from the opening whistle. Because yesterday was one of the maybe the first time all season where, you know, they were really on it from the first whistle. You know, they weren't sort of stagnant as they as they started out the game. Yeah, no, I mean. That, in my opinion, that yesterday was the first time I've seen them start on the front foot, not on the back foot, not absorbing pressure for 10, 15 minutes, then getting into the game. They were ready from the get-go. Um, and, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Have you seen them put that kind of pressure, you know, defensively or offensively? Yep. You know, as soon as when 
you weren't they weren't allowing NYCFC to play easily out of the back. They were trying no, to they were make turnovers as quick as they could. And that is that was nice to see. Right? Like I mean, when you saw that in the, when we're watching that, it's like, where was this all season long? Right? And yeah. maybe maybe, you know, not having a player like Nzinate takes away from being able to truly do that effectively, but they look good at it. And and you know, in my opinion, Valencia scored last week. It's like that was a spark he needed to show that he's good to go, and he was lively, right? Like he may not have scored again last night, but he was lively. He was effective, and, and I think as again he gets his fitness back, he's only going to get better. Agreed, and you know, I, it, it was noticeable. I think you and I sort of gave each other a look during the game as it was happening. The, there was a, a, a ton of pressure uh, when NYCFC were trying to play it out of the back which usually happens to TFC quite a bit. Uh, um, but it was nice to see TFC do that. And I think, again, it, it kind of helps, like you said, to have an Insigne bought in and doing that, to have CJ Sapong bought in and doing that, to have Federico Bernardeschi uh, bought in and doing that, right? It, 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 it sort of sends a, a tone through the team. And I thought that, you know, again, and I wanted to back it up with stats just, you know, from sort of the eye test to what the stats tell us. And if you look again from the midfield trio, you know, you saw that, um, especially from like, again, from Coelho, again, not to keep harping on him, but, you know, he won a lot of his tackles uh, last night. Um, he was really good at being able to sort of win those duels in the midfield, win the ball back, um, and then put us into progressive positions to attack. Uh, and I thought that was a key uh, and look, I, I don't know if that's, you know, being a, a holding midfielder is ideally where he's going to end up being. But, you know, that, again, that just made a huge difference. If everyone's pressing and pressing at the same time in unison at the right times and triggering at the right times, then you get a team that's, you know, turning the ball over in good spots for you to attack and making your attack a lot easier than having to constantly build out of the back, constantly have to try to progress the ball um, from the back. And, you know, it, it should be something that you, you do when you have to, not necessarily all the time, right? You should be able to win the ball in certain positions in the midfield or up in, in the third, in the final third, uh, to put yourself in good positions. Well, I think last night was the first time where we didn't really have to play it out of the back. You know, because of how we were playing effectively, we were, you know, being bombarded with shots where it's constantly goal kick, goal kick, um, or offside. You know, we, we were in a different position where we that that wasn't really a concern where we're having to to absorb the pressure and and find a way out. You know, we we, you know, from a defensive standpoint, I felt we more controlled controlled how things were going in the final third. For sure. Question for you, um, uh, you know, maybe you thought it was odd, maybe you, you didn't care, but I just found it interesting that Bob Bradley waited until the 90th minute to make his first subs of the game. Um, and, and I kind of get it. I think there was a part of the, and I think he's spoken about this before, where he said he doesn't want to change things if he thinks the team is managing a result well. You know, he doesn't want to necessarily disturb that that flow in which the team's in. But I did find it interesting that, you know, you're taking it all the way to the hilt, right, to the 90th before you make your changes. What did you think, Sean? 
I did notice it. Um, I, I thought it was odd. Um, but it, I didn't actually question it, though, in the sense of, like, what's going on? Why hasn't he made some? It's like, well, it's kind of weird that, like, at this point, we haven't seen a sub. But, again, in many ways, the team was managing. The team didn't look like they were gassed. They didn't look like, okay, we need to do something to hold on to this lead, right? Like, I didn't feel that way, right? So I'm not going to, like, I, I was kind of okay with finally when he finally did make the subs. I, uh, but I did say, I can say I did notice and looked up, looked up at the clock and be like, wait, we haven't subbed. And, and I think I even asked somebody, I was like, wait, did we make any subs at half? Because I was, like, surprised looking over at the guys. Warm, like, wait, these guys are all still here. Yeah, and, and I, you know, looking at it, I, I was questioning it. I, you know, I thought uh, Serena was looking a bit leggy um, at the end, and obviously he did come off for Shaquille in the end. Um, and I thought given, you know, C- C- look, CJ Sapon has been training with Nashville the whole time, so it's not like he's not fit. Um, but I thought, again, for a first game, you'd think you'd give him, you know, maybe a good 75, 80-minute run out, and then you bring on Diamande for the final 10. But Look, I, I, you know, I, I think these are one of those times where you can't really complain um, with Bob Bradley in this case. Like, the, clearly the team, like you said, was seeing out the result. Um, weren't real, although, yes, they were, you know, stepping back a little bit and giving NYCFC possession. It wasn't, again, like you said, like it wasn't dangerous. They weren't necessarily cutting TFC open or anything like that or creating super dangerous chances down down the end. I think... They were they they were bending but not breaking uh, from that perspective. So I can kind of get it. Obviously, if the game's in a different state, he probably makes those subs a bit earlier. I just found it interesting again that considering the amount of games that are going to be coming up pretty soon, that he basically took it to the hilt uh, for the majority of the uh, the players. And and really, in the end of the day, I guess it's weird for us now to see in a, a in a world where we have five substitutions. Uh, in games to only see two and those two come at the 90th minute. Definitely surprising, especially at, you know, he hasn't been really, he hasn't been afraid to use, you know, certain players on the bench um, when he felt he needed to. So uh, definitely strange, but maybe he felt, you know what, he wants to, like I said, reward these guys for the game they were playing, felt they could, they could hold off, which they did uh, for the most part. Um, and, Yes, they have a lot of games coming up, but maybe he figured, you know, he can give a couple of these guys, you know, a couple extra days of rest this week to build up to next week, knowing that, you know, come Saturday, they've got, you know, that's the first of three games in seven, eight days. Yeah, 10, about 10 days. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of games coming uh, coming up in the next little bit for this team. I, I should know it's, it's four in like just over 10 because. 11 days because you've got Saturday, you've got Tuesday, you've got the following Saturday, then the following Wednesday. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Against uh, Red Bull um, at home, right? So, look, I, I think, again, good result, 1-0 win, uh, clean sheet is important. Uh, you know, this is a game, again, where you felt TFC, for the most part, had control of the match. Not saying that they bossed it by any stretch of the imagination, but you thought they had control, right? Like you, you thought you never, I never really felt too, you know, in, in any situation where it's like, oh, wait a minute, you know, NYCFC are, are really going to to take this by the throat and, 
and try to try to bring into the game. I, I thought that, um, you know, you, you felt confident in the way that TFC were playing and they could see it out. Of course, look, we've, we've seen them blow leads this season. Um, so I guess maybe that, that could be misguided in terms of the way I thought, but, you know, it, just based on what I was seeing, I, I really didn't see, um, you know, NYCFC really, you know, pulling anything uh, to take the uh, the three points from us. Uh, and as you mentioned, um, you know, look, we're going into a really tough stretch over the next uh, 10 to 11 days where, you know, it's New England at home, Montreal away. Uh, nope. Montreal at home, then Montreal. Montreal away. Yes, yeah, that's right. Because Canadian Championship. Sorry. Keep forgetting that. Montreal home, Montreal away, then um, and then Red Bulls at home uh, to sort of wrap up that, and then even after that, right? Like it's a quick turnaround, three day turnaround, and they're going to Austin away. So it, th- these games are coming thick and fast for this team. And there's, you know, as much as it's you know going to tire the roster, you're really going to see some some depth get some minutes. It's also an opportunity for this team to pick up points really quickly. Um, and, and sort of make a move here uh, in terms of the table. Because I think now, you know, 10, 11 games into the season, I think you're okay now to start looking at the table and start thinking about points. Because, you know, you you really can start to see sort of how things are shaking down in terms of the standings right now. Uh, TFC are ninth. Uh, so they're holding down the final play-in spot uh, for the playoffs. You know, no, but, not you know, by much. <laughs> Not no, not by notch by a point, but I mean, like you, you get another win, you know, you conceivably could be uh, as high by the time next week if they can beat New England, you know, you're conceivably as high as maybe, you know, fifth, sixth. You're starting to climb a little bit in the table uh, if, if you can get another result. So, and it's gonna, it's not gonna be an easy one. New England are really good. Um, oh, season. Aren't they top in the East right now? They're top of the league. Period. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah, right? they're top of the league, period. Uh, so, you know, from that perspective, it is not going to be easy uh, playing New England. But, you know, if they can go in and, and sort of have that performance, you, you're in with a chance, right? I, I think right now the way that this team is, is they're going to be inconsistent. They're going to be a little up and down here and there. You're going to have these blips. But if they can start to to mesh a little bit around C.J. Sapong and a, a more healthy Diamande and sort of play off that. I think you are in every game, right? And, you, and then it comes down to sort of the small things, the small bit of execution each match uh, to see whether you come away with three points or, you know, come away with anything. Definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, um, you know, health, more guys coming back off the injured list will, will only strengthen things. So, you know, if we can get, Another one of our midfielders back between uh, Oso and and Bradley that that'll be an added bonus. Um, and like I said, having you know Diamande back that should hopefully help. Like I said, hopefully help spark the offense and help these guys get going. Uh, and just again, make things easier for Insignia and Bernadeski up front. Um, one thing I do want to touch on, which before we forget, is again on a sad, cold, damp Saturday night. We had 21,000 or 21 plus at the gate last night, which to me, on a night when the Toronto Maple Leafs were had, well, did end up clinching their, their uh, first playoff win in what, 14 or not, 19 years. Um, yeah. I thought that was amazing to see that many people 
uh, show up, stay, cheer loudly. Um, I, I personally feel it was one of the best when it came to, uh, you know, both sides of the South End working together with the songs, with their chants, you know, you know, trying to be really trying to sound unified, which was a great thing that I felt all the capitals worked on and did a great job on. So hats off to, to all the South End supporters. And again, the whole, the whole, everyone that showed up, like, you know, it was not the best weather, but we all stuck it out. We all stayed there. We all cheered them on and it was a great victory. Yeah, look, I think it, it helps. I um, you look, they, they got to pick up wins at home, right. To get, to get the fan base behind them, to, to get a lot of the, the fan base to believe in what, what sort of what the project is. Sorry, go ahead, Sean. Right. And, and there's like, uh, but one thing we can all, we can still say is, you know, so far this year, we've had great support. You know, we we have had one decent weather game. We've had mainly cold weather, you know, this early start of the season was free, cold as, as heck. And yet we still were able to have like 23, 24,000 show up. So you, they've got a good, strong 20 plus fan base that will show up no matter what the weather is. It's now just to build off of that to have sellouts week in or again. Not going to always be possible, like I said. When you have the Leafs playing uh, in Leaf Country, it's kind of hard to 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 get a sellout, especially in a weather like that. But we still had a great turnout, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure, that gets better, in my opinion. Uh, you know, in as the weather gets warmer, and if this team can get on a bit of a run here, right, and put together some really good results over the next, let's call it month, uh, if they can, if they can put themselves in a position where they're say sixth, seventh, maybe even higher by that point, then I think you you've got something going, right? You got some momentum from a team perspective. And I think you'll get the fan base behind you to know, really get behind them. Like not just, you know, look, a lot of you that are listening right now at 815 on a Sunday night are hardcore supporters, right? So from that perspective, you're gonna be there no matter what. But I'm talking about kind of the other the other sort of you know we want to call it casual supporters I, I don't really love that term all the time but um you know from that perspective like I think that's when you really get a rocking bemo that's when you know the the place becomes the fortress right like it becomes a harder place for visiting teams to come and play right and and, and uh, you know that that is sort of something that Look, the team needs to earn that a little bit, right? You know, the, the 23, 20, sort of 23, 5,000 that are coming on a, a somewhat regular basis, that's great. It's when you get to the 30,000 and it's a warm night at BMO and the team is playing well and giving the team a lot of entertainment and uh, at the same time, you know, really making a push for a playoff spot and maybe even a push up the Eastern Conference standings that's when BMO gets to that level. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, a winning team just changes, you know, makes the, the atmosphere 10 times better and, and more people want to be there, right? You get more the the casual people that, oh, I got, you know, can you get me tickets? Can you get, like, you know, we all know those. those. Everyone in this chat guarantee knows at least one or two of those people that when – TFC is playing hot. They're like, "Hey, can you get me tickets? Can you? Yeah. I want especially, you know, when it's it's a beautiful Saturday evening, 
And, you know, it's the place to be, right? Because, you know, Jay's got the afternoon, TFC's got the night. Like, you know, people want to be there when, when the team's playing well. So there's no doubt about that, that, you know, come by the end of uh, May, you know, this next month can really be the deciding factor on, on how rocking BMO is come June, July, August. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I think we'll wrap it up there for tonight. Thank you everybody for tuning in and listening to the Tunnel Club reaction show, TFC one NYCFC nil fourth clean sheet of the season. So, you know, take that to the bank. Uh, night. It, it's nice to have a week where we can talk about a win. We haven't had a lot of those recently. Uh, it feels like a lot of the shows recently have been kind of negative um, and kind of just, you know, trying to figure out how this team and when this team is sort of going to start clicking because we know the talent is there, right? Yeah. It's, not a, it's not like back in the day where you look at this team and you're like, well, of course they're losing. They, the talent is clearly not there. The talent is clearly here. It's just getting this team to start clicking and, and, and putting in performances. Uh, and if they can go on a run, like we said, you know, they, then you're in a good spot um, for TFC. Sean, any last comments before we wrap up? This isn't really a TFC related comment, but, you know, big shout out to the fact that Toronto, uh, oh, we have a new uh, club joining the Toronto soccer ranks in AFC Toronto. So, you know, just a little shout out to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we obviously we'll, we'll wait to see if we get more details on sort of what's happening with the team. Um, you know, the from from Project Aid and Diana Matheson, and and you know, it's important uh, that the city has uh, professional women's soccer coming. Um, you know, and hopefully, you know, we can get some more details on the team and on you know what's or where they're going to play and things like that. Uh, as the as the months go on, as they continue to build the league. Um, but on behalf of Sean Levy, I'm Mike Newell. Thanks for listening to the Tunnel Club. We will see you all next week. Take care, everybody. Have a great Sunday night. Mm-hmm.